0: This is CMO Moves, the podcast that showcases the human side of game-changing leaders. Here's their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's
1: most exciting brands. We hope you'll enjoy their stories and take away a few tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Toby Daniels, and I am the Chief Innovation Officer at AdWeek. Last week, I was fortunate to host CMO Moves with the incredible global CMO of OkCupid, Melissa Hobley. This week, we don't have a new episode of CMO Moves, but instead, I wanted to introduce you to the business of marketing, an AdWeek podcast hosted by yours truly. The Business and Marketing is where you get to hear from C-suite leaders on the role of marketing in driving business transformation. Last season, we spoke with leaders from across the industry from brands such as Walmart, Mastercloud, Square, Shake Shack, Ocean Spray, NBC Universal, Rolling Stone and Unilever. Recently, we launched the second season of the podcast and I'm excited to share an episode with you today featuring Kelly Campbell, the president of Hulu. In her role, Kelly manages Hulu's suite of on-demand and live streaming businesses, as well as overseeing Disney's digital media and movies anywhere business. During the conversation, we dive deep into her career, which also included roles at Google Cloud and JP Morgan Chase. We also discussed navigating the role as president during the pandemic, how she has been onboarding new people into her teams how the Hulu culture has evolved since she has taken on this new role, and the importance of having a clearly articulated values within the organization. Kelly is a truly incredible and inspirational C-suite leader, and this conversation only scratches the surface of the insights and experience she has. If you want to hear from more leaders like Kelly, you can subscribe to the business and marketing on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or you can click on the link in the episode notes. Thank you for listening to this special episode of CMO Moves, and enjoy this conversation with Kelly Campbell. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to welcome you to the business of marketing.
0: Thanks for having me, Toby. It's good to be here.
1: All right. So there's a ton for us to cover today. You're exactly the type of leader that I love to interview on this podcast because at your core, you're a marketer, but today you're running Hulu. And our audience loves to hear about stories like yours. So what I want to do is I want to start at the beginning of your career, if I may.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Let's talk about the early days at Google. I'm interested to sort of hear about your decision to join Google, um, the journey that enabled you to rise through the ranks of one of the most important technology companies in the world. And also, you know, what was it like working uh, in Cheryl Sandberg's team?
0: Sure. So happy to start there way back when. Uh, before Google, I actually worked in investment banking for a few years and went to business school. And it was there that I discovered this passion for the technology space. I was not an engineer by trade, but I walked into an information session for one of the tech companies and just felt like these are my people. There was so much energy in the room, and I very quickly dropped my resume for all the tech companies I could find, and then I flew out to Google, did interviews, and speaking of Cheryl, she was the last person in my interview panel, and from that moment, I was like, I will do anything to get this job (laughs) I joined Google, I stayed for 12 years and it was about the pace and the energy and the technology space. And it was about the culture at Google. I felt like it was a culture where people were encouraged to be creative, to be innovative. There was so much positive momentum. There was a shared vision, a shared set of values that were put into action. And having the chance to work for Cheryl was really special. I feel very fortunate that I got to do that. My first two years at Google, when I worked in her organization, really felt like leadership and management bootcamp. We were scaling and growing very, very fast. I joined Google, had a team of 12 people, and within two years was managing hundreds of people in the advertising space. All of that with, thankfully, lots of guidance and direction from Cheryl and her leadership team. And then she encouraged me to get international experience. I moved to Japan and got an incredible experience there. And then came back to the U.S. and for the next nine years, got to work up building out all sorts of different businesses at Google and scaling them globally. And I feel like I just got an incredibly unique opportunity the day I joined Google.
1: Yeah, it, that 2005 to 2017 era at Google must have been a wild ride. I was actually listening to Scott Galloway's interview with Sridhar Ramaswamy, the CEO of Neve recently, obviously a former Google colleague of yours. And he, he was describing what it was like to scale his team to over 10,000 employees. And he said it was the greatest lesson in humility. Can you talk a little bit about that experience from sort of your perspective what was it like for you to be building such big teams and particularly as quickly as you were? And, and what were some of the things that you learned during that time?
0: It was really fun. It was very intense. I did not grow my teams to 10,000 like Shreed <laughs> <laughs> but I did have the opportunity to grow some teams and businesses very quickly and to become you know quite large. And humility is a great takeaway of mine as well. But another one for me was just the importance of talent. The importance of identifying and bringing in the right talent, having a set of values that you interview across the entire organization, and being very conscious about who's at your leadership table and how they show up and the role they play. Because if you're going to grow and scale at the speed and pace at which Google did during that timeframe... You have to be able to believe you have to have trust that there's a shared vision and you have to empower your leaders to, to do their thing. Like no one person can do it alone. So there's just a lot of trust and it all comes back to talent for me.
1: We're going to spend a bunch of time obviously talking about your current role at Hulu, but I just want to reflect a little bit on something that you just said. Recently, I hosted a CMO symposium with about 20 global CMOs, and really the focus of the conversation was around talent, managing talent, building teams, and of course... This past year has been so extraordinary on so many different levels but in particular in terms of how we hire and onboard new team members to our organizations. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned at Google in regards to identifying talent and how that has helped you in particular, over the course of this last year, but specifically in regards to how you have onboarded new people into your teams. Sure. I
0: mean, I think one of the most important things to remember when identifying talent starts with like before you actually meet the talent, deciding what your criteria are and having a shared understanding on that set of criteria across the folks that are on the interview committee. I kind of start there. I also think it's important, depending on the level of the role, to really map the space. There's only so much you can learn in an interview. You can learn a lot by just getting out there and, you know, particularly in marketing. Marketing is a very visible function, especially in certain parts of marketing. For example, in creative. Roles. You know, you can look and see what, what are these people creating? What's the tone, vision, vibe of the work they're doing. And then when you go to have the conversation, you're, you're that much further along, you know, from having done that sort of pre-work. And then I think there's a, there's a sort of gut instinct element to it too, which I often hear uh, referred to as fit. But I do think that I would probably use values as a way to understand fit. I think that's really important both ways, by the way. I think often people view interviews as a one-way conversation. I believe very much that it's a two-way conversation and there needs to be room both for the individual to get to know the company and, of course, the company to get to know the individual.
1: So the move you made from running marketing for Google's cloud business to the CMO role at Hulu and the sort of leap I suppose that you made into the entertainment sector must have been like really exciting but also potentially a little bit daunting how did you navigate that situation and do you have any advice for leaders who are looking to make sort of a similar transition or jump into entirely new and potentially unfamiliar sectors
0: I do. It's funny. In one of my early conversations, when after taking on the Hulu president role, I was talking with Stephen Galula, who used to lead Searchlight with Nancy Utley. And I remember in our first conversation, we were getting to know each other. He was like, wow, wow. They really just plucked you out of the middle of Silicon Valley and dropped you in the middle of Hollywood. <laughs> I was like, it feels that way sometimes because I loved the technology industry and space. I lived right in the heart of it all. And then I moved down to LA and joined Hulu. And while I had a tremendous amount of personal interest in the entertainment space, I really didn't have any experience in the entertainment space. And so, It's, it's been fun. Like if you're going to have to learn something, learning entertainment from a business perspective is a pretty fun space. And it was, it's like when it all came full circle with me, I think when you graduate college, people are like, pursue your passion do something you love. And so it was neat to realize it actually does come around. Like you, you don't have to go straight to the thing that's your passion and you love. You can build functional skills and then work towards a space and that, that might be more personally interesting And as far as advice for folks who are looking to make the jump into a new or unfamiliar sector, I always think about being really conscious of what you're bringing. But in my case, I was bringing experience. I was bringing functional experience, functional skills and capabilities. And I was really honest about what I wasn't bringing. I remember looking at Mike Hopkins, who hired me at Hulu in the eye and saying like, just so you know, I have never launched a television show before. And he's like, I know, but I do think that might be too honest, which I might be at times, but I do think it's important to just be really straightforward, especially at a certain point in your career. Like here's what I bring and here's where I'm going to need to surround myself with folks who have that experience and expertise and be a learner and show up that way.
1: Presumably, particularly when it comes to values, you oftentimes look for values in others that are centrally important to you. And, and you just obviously touched on honesty as being something that is important. I can also imagine that when you're interviewing people at Hulu, you're also giving them a little bit of a pass. Or at least you're more open-minded to the idea that they might not have sector-specific experience, but functionally they bring so much to the organization. Have there been sort of situations or examples where you've brought people from outside of the entertainment sector into Hulu?
0: Sure. There's a few examples. One sort of of top-of-mind example would be bringing Scott Donaton in to lead the creative team at Hulu, And we were kind of looking for a unicorn. We were looking for someone to come in and scale the sort of creative operation side of it. We were looking for someone to come and build more of the creative function for our own brand and our own content. And we were looking for someone to build out a branded entertainment studio to work closely with our advertising partners. And Scott, prior to joining Hulu, was the chief content and creative officer over at Digitas, and he's a good example of someone who, you know, just asking around, I just kept hearing about this guy, Scott Donaton. I started looking at his past work and started talking with him and he's just brought such a great set of skills and experience and also a fresh perspective to the space that I think we really benefit from. And, and I'm a big believer in mixing functional skills and expertise With industry skills and expertise, one of my first mentors told me, think about industry function and location and like, what do you bring and what do you want and where do those map? Cause you got to bring something if you want to get something new. So I thought that was good advice.
1: Let's spend some time talking about your role as CMO at Hulu. What were you ultimately responsible for? And talk about some of your proudest accomplishments. What were some of the major lessons that you learned during that time?
0: So in the CMO role, it grew a bit over time during my sort of time as CMO, but ultimately I was responsible for everything from the brand and creative side of things through to performance marketing and subscriber growth, including product marketing, consumer insights, our viewer experience team, everything from self-serve help to online communities, to actual viewer experience advocates interacting with our subscribers and consumers, so it's kind of a broad scope. I, I would refer to it often as sort of a a modern CMO role. I was accountable for tangible business results and driving that subscriber revenue and subscriber count targets, both of which you know are obviously critical to Hulu's business. As far as accomplishments, I I'd probably point to a few things. Certainly, we've talked about talent a bit, but certainly proud of the team that I built. One of Hulu's values is you know, one team. And I think I built a team that each person brought something different to the table and together, it was pretty magical to see what we could do coming from different industries and coming with different experience. Our primary focus when I came in, and I think a large part of what sort of brought Hulu towards me was a focus on subscriber growth. And I had a lot of experience um, driving sub growth in my career. And that time period, we were just On a crazy growth trajectory. I think we were about 17 million subscribers when I joined and we basically doubled that in that timeframe. Our most recent subscriber numbers, more than 41 million. So it was pretty exciting. I can't take all of the credit for that. A lot of things were in motion and that was part of what got me so excited about Hulu. But to be able to come in to an organization that was so eager to grow and ready to invest and then really take the helm and drive that growth, super proud of that. And then finally, just our brand. The Hulu brand has always, in my mind, had this like to it, but it had gotten a little stale. And I think there was a chance to refresh it and make it more relevant with consumers, make it more relevant in culture. And that was a really fun part of the job. And, you know, with our Hulu sellouts campaign, we kind of told the world that Hulu has live sports. That campaign was not only a lot of fun, but it also, it worked. We saw really great results from that campaign and we've continued to build upon it since then.
1: When you look at the period. Where you were at Google, and then the period that you've been at Hulu, the sort of 2017 to 21 time frame and you think about the sort of streaming industry I can imagine it's been I mean from my perspective at least it's been one of the most fascinating periods certainly in kind of the media and entertainment world and we've been writing about this sector since the very early days of of Hulu and obviously Hulu was one of the first entrants into the sector and it's been just incredible I mean I've just watched in awe as Hulu and Netflix and Prime and Disney Plus have sort of leapfrogged the traditional entertainment business And, and not just through the introduction of new business models, but also in terms of this incredible onslaught of original programming, which is obviously now at a point where it completely dominates like the entire award season. And so I'm just curious as the CMO of Hulu, when you were in that role, what did you, what did you regard as your primary goal, particularly when you were faced with this incredible competitive landscape with like Netflix and, and others who potentially could outspend Hulu on original programming and probably even marketing too. Like how how do you convince new subscribers to join and, and what do you believe are some of the reasons why they kept coming back?
0: Our primary goal was to drive subscriber growth and to be the fastest growing streaming player in the US. And we were during that time. And I'm very proud of that. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that our teams from technology to content to marketing, we were all aligned on that North Star of driving subscriber growth and being the fastest growing player in the space. As far as why it worked, uh, why consumers signed up and became subscribers and stayed, I think a lot of it had to do with helping consumers really understand what they were getting. I continue to think that Hulu's value proposition is unprecedented in the space. When you look at everything consumers get when they sign up for Hulu, as well as the choice and flexibility that we have built into the experience, it still stands out even in a really competitive marketplace.
1: Let's talk about the transition to your current role. So it's February 2020. I think the current CEO steps down, you throw your hat in the ring, describe what happens next.
0: So when Disney took operational control of Hulu, they opened a president role. And as you can imagine, I went through the interview process and accepted the opportunity.
1: What motivated you? And Did it give you pause? Did you have any hesitation? Was it something that you just felt like a natural transition for you in your career? Talk about that kind of that moment, because... For so many of our listeners who are either in C-level leadership positions or aspiring to be in a C-suite, I think oftentimes what happens in that decision-making process doesn't get talked about enough, at least in my opinion. So I'm just curious, what were you thinking about at that time?
0: So a number of things. First of all, I was very fortunate in that Randy Freer, who's the CEO who um, stepped down during that time frame. I had worked with him early on to work through a career plan and talk about my future and let him know I was pretty eager to get to know the parts of the business that I didn't directly oversee outside of the CMO scope. And so he really, you know, held me to it. He brought me in, kept me at the table for things that might not have had an obvious need for the CMO to be at the table. So that helped a lot as far as just being ready when the opportunity came up and being confident and having that conviction that I was a good candidate for the role. And then thinking about whether or not I wanted to take the role. It appealed to me for a few reasons. Of course, just on that same vein, the scope, having the opportunity to take on more and go beyond the scope that I had been in as the chief marketing officer really excited me getting to look directly after our technology and data and products, and also to get closer to our content functions and take on you know, content acquisition and partnerships. So that was just appealing for, for all of those reasons. I also really loved the Hulu team and brand and culture and business. That's just a true gut thing. And I wasn't ready to go. We started something, we started something really big. We were driving this incredible growth trajectory and there was no part of me that was ready to just leave that and say, you know, my work is done. And I didn't really see a path staying in the current role because of some of the ways that, you know, the organization was changing as we moved into Disney And I also saw great potential for Hulu as a part of Disney. I think if you look at where the market is heading now, it's very easy to see that having those incredibly world-class content engines of Disney start to point more of their content creation towards Hulu, I mean, that's a very, very big opportunity for Hulu. And I saw sort of the potential
1: there. I I want to talk about where the business is today, but before we do, and just because you've touched on this a few times, I I want to dig into culture a little bit and and not just culture, but also values. So as you came into the organization at a time where it had reached a sort of a certain level of maturity, both as a business and its business model, but also in terms of one, uh, one imagines the culture of the organization, right? Describe the culture and, and describe what you inherited and then what you are looking to build in the future in regards to evolving that culture over time.
0: I think there are a couple of things about the Hulu culture that were so special. I think one of them was this very big focus on values and the importance of shared values. And it was like from before the values are referenced in our job descriptions and on our employment sort of websites in the onboarding, like you'd spend like half a day on the values. And then from the minute you start working, you see them in action. And I think a lot of companies do a great job of saying, here are our values and putting them up on the wall. I think what Hulu uniquely did was not only like bring a lot of attention to them in the hiring and onboarding process, but just put them in action. Like you still uh, folks that are sort of legacy Hulu, you don't have a day go by where you don't get like an email or sit in a meeting or see a presentation that has like hashtag start with the viewer hashtag one team hashtag embrace fun like they just become part of your day so it's not like you have to sit there and memorize them or put them in your wall. You're actually thinking as you're working through things like, okay, how does this line up to our core values, especially when people, like people have very different perspectives. Dialogue and debate is a good thing. One team doesn't mean get to a consensus. However, you have to get their compromise on everything right? But it's a reminder that like we're working towards the same shared vision and we're all part of the same team, even if we're coming at things from different perspectives. And so now to your point on what now and how do we evolve the culture from here, I think it's important to take a fresh look and that's what we're doing now and say, the landscape has changed. Our situation has changed. Our teams have changed. So what are the values that matter most now? And how do we put them in action in new ways? We had to get really creative with that throughout the pandemic. And as we start to look at going back to work in a pretty new world as part of the Walt Disney Company, we have an opportunity to have a little fun with the values in a way that evolves them from a Hulu perspective into something bigger as part of the Walt Disney Company.
1: And I can imagine those values have served you very well over the course of the last year. I've spoken to so many C-suite leaders who have referenced the fact that part of what has got them through this past year enabled them to make huge adjustments to their businesses and business models and obviously to the ways in which we are working has been supported hugely by the fact that they had just such a strong foundation in regards to their core values. So it's interesting to kind of hear you sort of support that. Let's talk about the business. What do you see as some of the major challenges and opportunities that you're thinking about looking at, particularly in the context of the streaming industry today?
0: Well, clearly the streaming industry is on fire. So I think the opportunity is endless and that excites me so very much. We see the consumer behavior every day in our data changing and it's fascinating to look at that and pull out the insights and see where they're going. But given that there's a tremendous amount of competition in our space and to scale, especially to scale a premium Paid product and build a business model with the strength that Hulu has with the dual revenue streams from subscriber revenue and advertising revenue to reach the economies of scale that we're reaching through 13 years of investment in technology and product and features and user experience is hard. And while I see competition as a definite challenge, I also feel like Hulu is really well positioned. I'm I look at us and I see, okay, we're one of the the top three must have streaming products in the U S top three or four. if, If you think about Hulu and Disney plus as, as, you know, a bundle offer or as two separate products, but, and we see that we see, we see subscribers continue to sign up. We see our subscribers continuing to engage with our content and we see our retention metrics. Staying in a really healthy place. And I think a lot of that has to do with the team and the product and the content that we've built at Hulu. I think a lot of that also has to do with the consumer mindset and this consumer shift in behavior.
1: From my perspective and thinking about this from the consumer's standpoint, I feel that the slightly chaotic hyper competitive nature of the streaming industry today is actually really good for the consumer right we have more choice we have competitive pricing we have higher quality programming is that how you see it I mean you you sort of referenced it but the the chaos and the hyper competitiveness is obviously going to lead to probably more innovation and potentially obviously more disruption but is, is that how you see it?
0: Absolutely. I think consumers sign up for streaming services for three or four reasons. They sign up for content. They sign up for the experience. They sign up for value. There's a clear value exchange there between the provider and the consumer. And they sign up for a connection increasingly, I think, with the brand and with the type of content that you're bringing to the consumer. And from Hulu's perspective, we lead in those spaces and so to provide the consumer with the type of flexibility that we do, where you can pause at any time, you can move between products, you can upgrade to the live product to catch whatever live sports you're interested in, and then go back down to paying for spot only. We try and make it as easy as possible for the consumer, which I think is a really positive development that's coming out of the competition in this space. And, and again, I think that's going to be hard for our newer challengers to replicate, but we'll see.
1: Let's talk about business models a little bit. We spend from Adweek's perspective, obviously, we write about this, you know, extensively and it's an ongoing and, and to a certain extent complicated discussion and debate uh, around the business models related to or connected to the streaming industry. And, and obviously Hulu is a little bit different from some of the other streaming platforms because you obviously have both a subscription and also ad supported business model. And I, I want to hear from you and, and I'm, I'm hoping you're going to give me like a really sort of honest and straightforward answer uh, here, Kelly, but uh, I want to, I want to know From your point of view, how you navigate this tension between paid subscriptions and the ad supported model, like what are your consumers really telling you in regards to this business model? And and what do you see as the benefit to the users of Hulu in regards to continuing to support this kind of dual business model?
0: I think this is part of what makes Hulu's business so strong is that we have both subscriber and advertising revenue streams. Our ad supported product comes with a monthly fee. And so what that tells us is that consumers appreciate the value exchange. They are appreciative of being able to pay less and they're willingly taking on knowingly an experience that comes with ads. And that's important to our business model, but more importantly, it comes back to that value of viewer first. And so in everything that we do as we're building out our whole experience, including our advertising products, we are very conscious of that value exchange and the importance of getting it right. And that means that the advertising experience for those consumers who choose to pay less for the ad-supported version of Hulu are having the best experience, that they're seeing ads that are engaging, that are relevant, they're not seeing the same ad over and over. This is why we have 50% lighter ad load than traditional television. And even our, we have an advertising technology team that's constantly working with us to innovate and bring uh, new ad formats to the advertising space. They share that value of viewer first. So even as we're looking at opportunities to bring more advertising to our experience, We're doing that through a lens and we're measuring the impact on things like customer engagement and net promoter score, not just are we making more money? Because that's not the end goal. The end goal is really sticking to our values and growing, right? Putting our viewers first and growing within that context.
1: I was very appreciative of the ad supported component part of your business model when watching The Handmaid's Tale because I just... I needed a break from the tension. (laughs) I just needed... I needed to be able to like take a breath and you know <laughs> what I mean? And just relax for a few There's seconds. There's an angle, yeah.
0: <laughs> a whole new appreciation for ads. It's funny, we used to talk a lot about how this notion of a palate cleanser, after certain content, you would see see a, a big cohort of consumers go straight into like the lightest, fluffiest material they could find right before bedtime, you know?
1: I love so. it. Ad- advertising is like a delicious sorbet. <laughs> love it. Um, When done well,
0: absolutely.
1: So in season two of the Business Marketing, our podcast, we're asking each of our C-suite guests to help us define what it means to be a modern and progressive executive in today's social, political, and economic landscapes. And the role of the leader has shifted pretty considerably, even in the last like 12 months. The demands that you have to sort of take on in regards to developing new skills that were not even in the CEO to- toolkit like 10 years ago are pretty significant, right? So what's in your toolkit and, w- and what are some of the skills that you've had to learn particularly in your current role as president?
0: Yeah. Look, I think this probably goes for a lot of people in the last year and a half. My time as president just happens to have coincided with the global pandemic and a major integration. But for me, I I think flexible leadership, keeping things in perspective. I think the last year was a good reminder to really keep all parts of life and work in perspective. I think being able to move things forward. I'm a big believer in momentum and I think momentum needs to come with positive energy and comes back to a shared North Star, shared vision. Where are we going? And really just injecting everything, all of the different tactics that you can to take down barriers and let people do what they do best. And when you get that momentum going. I think that's when the magic really starts to happen.
1: Well, Kelly, that's all the time we have for, unfortunately. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. You are such an incredibly inspirational leader. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to sit down and have this conversation with you. So wishing you all the luck in the next uh, coming year. Best of luck also as you and your colleagues return to uh, the office. And again, thanks again for your time.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for listening to The Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and presented in partnership with SAP. The Business of Marketing is produced by Al Manarino. The executive producer is Brian Letty. Support also provided by Erica Perry and Julian Gamboa. Please take a minute to subscribe and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.